facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Fantastic Friday to you. The weekend is here. We're going to kick it off in style. It's Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. It's our listener line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters Life Insurance, 888-914-9149. You can also find me on the X app at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And of course, you can email the program. C-A-L-E, Kale, at RelevantRadio.com. It's great to connect with you. It's great to get your comments, questions, show ideas. Become a shadow producer. It's one way to do it. And this guy was kind of cheating. I did, I did get a piece from another shadow producer, but it's kind of cheating because he is a producer at Relevant Radio. Nick Sentovich, the sentient one who produces The Inner Life and Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. He sent me this really interesting piece. And I thought it was really good to use going into the weekend. It's about the Sabbath, but it's from a totally secular perspective. In fact, it, it, it it's kind of trying to link the Sabbath with climate change. And believe me, I do not want to get into that whole kettle of fish. Uh, so I, I am not going to have a show about whether the climate change uh, movement is necessary or real. Um, of course, I think we can all hopefully agree. Even Pope Benedict talked about this even before Pope, Pope Francis, as did JP too. We, we do have to care for the earth. It's uh, something that's been entrusted to our stewardship. But I want to talk about the Sabbath in particular because even a lot of secular minds, I'm finding this, this is popping up in a lot of different things that I've read recently, that even secular people are realizing that burnout is real and human beings need to take some kind of a Sabbath. And we would kind of say, duh, you know, this is the way God has set it up. Maybe you should read the scriptures. Maybe you should uh, uh, check out what the church has to say. So I, I want to share this with you. So we're going to crack open this show. And uh, don't worry. It's just a caffeinated beverage. Um, I want to want to share this with you, hopefully to, to perk you up. It's a piece that was in the Washington Post by Michael Corrin. And by the way, just so as not to confuse you, this is not the same Michael Corrin who has left the Catholic Church, who is a great apologist for Catholicism. I hope he comes back. Uh, he, he's left the church more than once, by the way. Uh, great writer, great Catholic apologist, left the church and is now an Anglican priest and has embraced all kinds of ideas, which he has himself demolished in his previous books. But I digress. I digress. But let's pray for Michael. Uh, I know him a little bit. And I do hope he comes back to the Holy Catholic Church. Having said that, uh, this is a different dude. This is uh, the climate advice columnist from the Washington Post, Michael J. Corrin. And uh, he says this, and I quote, Every Friday around sunset, I close my laptop. For 24 hours, my work is done. So I guess he's, by the way, I guess he's he's going with the Old Covenant Sabbath on, on Saturday. Every Friday around sunset, I close my laptop for 24 hours. My work is done. No email, no news, no social media. If it's work-related, it waits. What I try to do is nothing at all. Or rather, I spend time with people I love, usually outdoors. I swim, I surf, share a meal with friends and family. Sometimes I just lay on my back in the park enjoying the sun. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And he says, it has rekindled a sense of joy, he says, that he last felt when he was a kid with nothing to do. Do you guys remember those carefree days 
man, it seems like a, a long time ago now, doesn't it? Nothing to do, not a care in the world. And he says, just gratitude for whatever miraculous series of events led me here to this moment. So he, he said for years, he, he never imagined he would do something like this, take a break, uh, take a Sabbath, as it were. And he says for a lot of people in this, in this modern world, it, it's impossible. It seems impossible to set aside a whole day for rest, free from any kind of responsibilities. And by the way, this is kind of interesting because he says free from responsibilities to work and family. I guess for him, the Sabbath means taking a break from your family, too. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure that's I mean, I mean, some people probably want to, depending on how things are with the family. But uh, I think the ideal is your know, family's a part of it. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But uh, but he said he, he was uh, this guy, Michael Corrin, wrote that he was almost burned out a few years ago. He, he was on the verge of it. And then he started to to practice this concept of a Sabbath. And he's not coming from this coming at this from a religious angle. He just said, I gave myself permission to stop doing. He said it was hard. It was really, really difficult. And, and this is a good question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we human doings or are we human beings? The do, I mean, there is a place for doing, for sure. The acting person, you know, JP too talked about this in his, in his philosophy uh, before he became Pope. The acting person is very important. But the dignity of the human person loved for his or her own sake in God is is also something that we have to uh, to get to as well when it comes to this topic of, of the Sabbath. But this guy, Michael Korn, writing for the Washington Post, said that even when he tried to start doing his sort of secular Sabbath, if you will, a few years ago, it was tough. He said because his brain betrayed his intentions. He, he always wanted to go back to his phone, always wanted to open up the smartphone, start scrolling, wanted to check his work emails, open up the laptop thinking about Monday. Monday's not even here yet. It took practice for him to disconnect. And he says it still does. It, it's something that is, is always kind of going to be a struggle. But he said, wow, like when, the more he did it, the more he practiced it over a period of weeks, months. He said, I discovered freedom. I, 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 a freedom that he hadn't even known that he had lost. And he, he is... Um, really a, a big advocate of, of taking a Sabbath. Now, again, he's not coming at it from a religious perspective, but he's coming at it and he's the climate uh, change, uh, climate advice columnist, excuse me, for the Washington Post. So he's going to link it to the climate. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share what he says about this, not because I, I want to get into the whole topic of climate change and environmental stewardship and all that stuff, as important as it may be. But it is kind of a treat because it, well, something that he says it kind of reminded me of something that happened during during the pandemic. He he says that that even some clergy are arguing how the Sabbath can help redirect us away from catastrophic climate change. He says it's as essential to them as clean energy technology or EVs, electric vehicles. Um, and it's also good for the planet. It's also good for the planet and curbing emissions. People aren't driving as much. People aren't out and about as much. They're kind of just relaxing a bit more. Do you guys remember during the, the pandemic when all the flights were shut down and, and everybody was locked down? Remember how the smog lifted from the city of Los Angeles? Do you remember that? The skies were actually clear over American cities and people were like, wow, this is kind of bizarre. We haven't seen the sun in Los Angeles in 50 years. You know? But so there, there is, I don't know, there's, there's kind of a, maybe the there's somewhat of a point to this at, at some level, but 
<clears throat> but nonetheless, let's talk about the day of rest. Now, first of all, from the secular perspective, some, some of you might not be aware of this, but he, but he mentions this in his article. Where did the modern weekend come from? Where did this idea of Saturday, having Saturday and Sunday off, where, where did this originate? In the 1930s. And this, this really happened because there was kind of a war between unions. Obviously, sort of the Industrial Revolution was still in full swing. <laughs> Cars are being produced. Factories are on the go. And unions were fighting for more time off for their for, for employees. Employers were like, no, we want you to work as much as possible. We'll give you one day off per week. But the employers finally realized that, you know what, if we don't give them two days off for the weekend, we're going to deal with something called St. Monday. I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Monday, but there's actually a painting. I had to look this up. He's not a real saint, St. Monday. Uh, he's the patron saint of drinkers. And, and there's this painting, this famous painting. I think it's from 1837. You, you, can, you can Google image it. It's kind of a, of this modern day uh, bacchanalian guy, party animal. And it's, it's sort of this idea that, look, if you don't give people two days off on the weekend, they're going to take their own, they're going to make their own two-day weekend by calling in sick on Monday. Overserved on Sunday, call in sick on Monday, St. Monday, the unofficial holiday. So they had to kind of relent, say, all right, all right I'll give you guys a two-day weekend. Um, drunkenness is a sin. Always keep that in mind. Got to confess that. But people being people, uh, I'd rather you do that on the Saturday night than, than on Sunday night come in hungover on Monday. Don't, but don't do it at all. It's a sin. It's a, it's a mortal sin. Wow. People don't understand that. Uh, but it is. It actually is. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 And, of course, a lot of religions have an idea of a day of rest. But, but clearly this goes back originally to the Torah, to Moses, to the establishment of the people of God, Israel. And this is known, of course, in the Jewish world as Shabbat. And if you've ever been to <clears throat> Israel, maybe you've done a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, if you've ever been there on a Shabbat, you see how everything shuts down. You can be in Jerusalem and it's bustling and everything's going on. Lots of activity, lots of cars, lots of talking in the street. But as soon as, as the Sabbath starts, it's pretty jarring for people who have never experienced this before. Everything shuts down. Everything shuts down. Shop windows are closed. Everybody just goes home. But then when the Sabbath is over, man, it's party time. It's absolute party time on uh, on Saturday night, and it's a celebratory, a celebratory atmosphere that starts again on Saturday at, at sunset when the, when the Sabbath is over. So clearly, obviously, as as the rabbis sort of wrestled with this question of what constitutes work, uh, there was the there were all these interpretations of well, there are thirty nine different kinds of work that you're not allowed to do, including lighting a fire, baking, got to do all your baking ahead of time sowing seeds in the field, uh, you can't sew more than one stitch in a garment, all, all of that sort of stuff. And so th this is a, you know, they had to kind of wrestle with this. And so I, one of the things that uh, is quoted in this piece is, is an interesting book called The Sabbath, which, which was written by an, uh, a Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel in 1951. So he, call, he calls the Sabbath the great cathedral of Judaism, a temple-built in time. He says, quote, technical civilization is the product of labor, 
of man's exertion of power for the sake of gain, for the sake of producing goods. But the Sabbath is the day on which we learn the art of surpassing civilization, end of quote. I think that's really interesting. That's an interesting phrase, surpassing civilization on the Sabbath. And hopefully we'll be able to kind of think of it this way as we go into Sunday this weekend. It's the idea of surpassing civilization, that that there's something more than the city of man, as St. Augustine would say. There's the city of God, and we, we have to understand that we're ultimately citizens of the kingdom of God who are living, yes, in, in this earth, but we, we've got to kind of go beyond. We've got to go beyond. And so, again, because this this author here for the Washington Post, Michael Corrin, he's the climate advice columnist. He, he starts talking about uh, Pope Francis's um, encyclical in 2015, Laudato, Laudato Si. Um, and and one, of the, one of the quotes he has from, from Pope Francis is this, and I quote, we tend to demean contemplative rest as something unproductive and unnecessary, but this is to do away with the very thing which is most important about work, its meaning. Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the world, end of quote. And so kind of the harmony in creation, having this true shalom, this, this true peace. And that's, that's really what, what the word shalom means. You know, peace be with you. It's, it's, it's a peace of body, mind, and soul, total wholeness, if you will. And, and yeah, obviously God wants that to extend into the whole creation. He's going to renew the heavens and the earth and that, that peace will, will be uh, prevalent. It'll be all encompassing for sure. And, And so there's, there's a lot of, um, religious leaders that are quoted in the article, rabbis that are quoted about how they're trying to think about the Sabbath in terms of the climate crisis and, and all that stuff and uh, avoiding driving and, and, and just trying to get outdoors more, trying to get into creation and uh, getting away from, from technology a little bit, which is, which is kind, of, kind of a radical approach in, in this world. So here's, here's a question for you. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 9149. When it comes to how you live the Sabbath as a Catholic, and, and if, if you're not Catholic and you're listening to this, I'd love to hear from you as well. Do you struggle with this whole idea of disconnecting? Do you struggle with taking a true Sabbath, really t- taking a break here? And, and here's, a, here's, here's another thing that I'd like to ask. Have you ever actually been made fun of or persecuted? Maybe just the, the needle, maybe just a snide comment from a friend or family member for trying to do so. Or maybe you've been persecuted in a more uh, open way, like you've been threatened with the loss of your job if you don't work on Sundays or something like that. Have you been kind of persecuted or in some ways marginalized for your Sunday practice? And, and we'll, get, we'll get into this um, a little bit later because... This is one of the accusations that was leveled at the people of God in, in various places, various times throughout the ages, um, that um, uh, the Jewish people were accused by secular people of being shamefully slothful. Why? Because they they practice the Sabbath. And, and maybe Catholics can be accused of that as well. But hey, you're actually really lazy. We can't, we can't hire this guy because he's Catholic. He doesn't want to work one day a week. Have you ever been persecuted? 
And, and here's an here's another thing. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna talk about the origins of this uh, later too. Have we lost something as a culture? Have we lost something as a culture by not having what used to be called the blue laws? And if you don't know what the, it has nothing to do with the Democrats, by the way, uh, it has nothing to do with the party that's known with uh, associated with the color blue. The blue laws were Sunday laws where stuff was closed on Sundays, shops, um, pretty much any, any, any business was shut down to encourage, um, to encourage really practice of the Sabbath rest. Is this even possible in, in, a, in, a, in a world that, um, let's face it, not everybody shares the same worldview, certainly don't share the same religious views. We have to share this world and be tolerant of one another, no matter what, what our background might be. But is this even possible to bring it back? But it's probably a good question. But do you think this was a good thing? Or is it better just to to let everybody do their 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 own thing, practice their own religion in their own way, without it sort of impinging on everybody else in terms of a law? Like, this isn't a theocracy here. But anyways, I wonder what you guys think about all these questions. 888 nine one four nine you can call me right now we're going to take a quick quick break right now on the kale clark show but we will be right back Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Welcome back to the program on this Friday. We're getting ready for the weekend, getting ready for the Sabbath. And looking at this really interesting piece in the Washington Post, once again, shout out to Nick Sentovich for sending this to me, producer at Relevant Radio. If you got a show idea, something you think I might have a take on, question, comment, you can email me. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. You can also find me on the X app, formerly known as Twitter, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. So he sent me this really interesting article in the Washington Post by Michael Corrin, who is the climate advice columnist. But it, it, what, what interested me is not, not that part of it, per se, but uh, the fact that he's writing about the Sabbath. And th- as a secular guy, he's decided to take a sabbath rest every week to avoid burnout it's made a huge difference in his life which which does make sense because the way god set up the world he knows how the world works he knows how you and i work he knows as as it says in john's gospel jesus knows what is in a person and these are for our good right the sabbath was made for humanity and so this this is something though that's been obviously on decline in the culture. So we've been talking about some of the reasons why. Do you struggle with this? Do you struggle with really fully disconnecting? Uh, whether you're a person of faith, maybe you're listening and you're not a person of faith, but you, you want to do this. Do you struggle with disconnecting, taking a true Sabbath? Let me know. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Have you ever been, has it become a problem for you practicing the Sabbath? Have you been persecuted because of it, made fun of because of it? Has it become an issue in some other way? 888-914-9149. And do you think that, that Sabbath or Sunday, quote-unquote, blue laws should come back into effect? I don't think this is even possible, but it might be good, actually. It might be good for everybody. 888-914-9149. So where, where do these come from, by the way, these laws? 
they were really, really prevalent in the United States. And they were called, again, the blue laws has nothing to do with the bluegrass state of Kentucky or the Democratic Party or anything like that. They're called blue laws. And they prohibited liquor sales on, on Sundays, uh, prohibited hunting, uh, commerce, opening your store, all that sort of stuff. And part of it was to encourage people to go to church. And in the, in, in the year 1884, this is what the U.S. Supreme Court said, um, that the, these blue laws, these Sunday laws, served a social mission to, quote, protect all persons from the physical and moral debasement, which comes from uninterrupted labor, especially to the poor and dependent, to the laborers in our factories and workshops and in the heated rooms of our cities, end of quote. I guess these are the days before air conditioning. Air conditioning became a thing. The heated rooms of our cities. Yeah, just sweating it out. Um, and even in the, as late as the 1960s, Chief Justice Earl Warren wrote this. This is a, another court decision. Quote, Sunday is a day apart from all others. End of quote. So, now, you might, you might actually be surprised to know that some, some states are still kind of, they still have some laws on the books uh, on this front. Um, some states actually have some businesses closed on Sunday. 28 states in the Union still somehow in some way, shape, or form restrict alcohol sales on Sunday. And so there's still some, some that are on the books, but the, it, it has nothing to do with, and this is one, one thing the article points out, it has nothing to do with religiosity. The fact that these laws have been broken down is more because of economics, that they've been repealed, they've been struck down. It's an economic engine that's driving this. Um, people do not want to lose a day of work, a day of revenue. Businesses don't want to remain closed on, on Sunday because they, they feel they feel they're going to fall behind. That's why it's really interesting that Chick Fil A, which of course is owned by an evangelical Christian, they still to this day do not open on Sundays, even though they're they're literally leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table every year by by doing so it's a stand on principle and they want to give their employees a break too so and actually we got an interesting call because i wanted to i wanted to touch on this so i'm going to let him do it we've got joe in wellington new jersey on the line near newark joe welcome to the show man how are you doing it's wallington new jersey and oh, that's it's, bergen county oh it's wallington anyway, okay bergen, yeah no problem. I did my glasses uh, on. I was trying to read the screen, and so I, I'm just making things up. So Wellington County. No, it's Wellington County. So, yes, Joe, right. like, continue. PJ's, uh, it's a warehouse there. You could buy food on Sunday, but you can't buy clothes, shoes, or anything else. You walk into the store on Sunday, and they have everything wrapped up with tape what you can't go to buy. And then uh, the mall, Bergen, Bergen uh, Mall. The restaurants are open, but the stores are so closed and things like that are closed. Yeah, that, that's it's so interesting. Yeah, I've, and that, this was something that he that this guy mentions in his article that in Bergen County, New Jersey, by the way, which has more retail this this is a zip code, Bergen County, New Jersey, that has more retail sales than any other zip code in the U.S. because it has four massive shopping malls. So some of these Sunday shopping laws have come back into effect. Uh, and, it, and the reason why they they want to do this is they want to they say this helps to have a healthier community. It's kind of, it's really interesting to see this happening in 2023, 2024 in the United States. Uh, we we kind of surprised when this all happened, Joe. 
No, this has been going on for years. Oh, really? So this is so it's not a new thing. This has been right. It's not the state of New Jersey. It's just Bergen County. Just Bergen County. And so yeah, it's always yeah. been kind of an outlier in that in that way. Oh, that's interesting. Only I could remember, it's been like that. <clears> so I think it's a good idea. You give people a chance to rest. You give people, you know, give people a day off and stuff like that. So hey, God bless. Take whatever we can get. Let's take it. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Well, that's awesome. I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't. It'd be interesting to know how many people are cool with that how many people complain about that but joe thank you so much for the call so this has been going on for quite some time in bergen county apparently so that that's that's this is all news to me so that's it's kind of great to hear it's it's an outlier for sure and i think maybe you'll see more communities hopefully sort of start to take a take a step back and look at whether it's really a good idea to be open for business 24 7 365 because is this really good for every? Is this really good for people? Even even from a business, from a pure, forgetting the the question of faith, even from a from an economic point of view, is this a good thing? Because if people aren't getting proper rest, I know people can have different days off and things like that, but it's just it's really interesting to see how that might affect the quality of life in general in a community by having some sort of Sabbath laws on the books. I do think, just in general, you have to sort of, it's like archery, right? You, you can tense the bow, you can fire your arrow, like the green arrow, but then it's got to rest again, right? And, and then you kind of reload for, for the next one. And that's kind of what we have to do, I think, every week. God has built these sort of rhythms into the week, and it's it's part of the creation covenant as well. This is this day of rest. So how do you do it? How do you do this as a Catholic? How do you, I'd love to hear from you guys, 888-914-9149, because sometimes it's kind of nebulous um, in terms of what we should do, what we ought to be doing, what are some things that work for you on the Sabbaths, you get away and, and, and take that kind of rest. How do you, how do you do quote unquote nothing? It's not doing nothing. It's just changing your mode of activity, if you will. And uh, maybe it's not so strenuous, but the author of this piece, and again, his name is uh, Michael Korn. He, 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 what he does is he tries to fight off his to do his to do list. Um, he he tries to do something that that he loves doing just just for the sake of it, just for the sake of it. Something that brings him joy. And maybe for you that's reading. Maybe for you that's uh, playing sports, uh, getting out there and golfing. Yeah, I'm all for that. Um, Maybe it's watching NFL football. We'll ha- we will have our conference championship picks later. Don't don't worry. Um, things things that you love, and and that that's sort of just for its own sake. Not everything has to be utilitarian. Uh, what 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 benefit can I get out of this in terms of my my work or or just for its own sake? And he also suggests finding a community to share it with. Now, obviously, we kind of have this hopefully theoretically built in community in, in the church, but that's sometimes tough because people tend to, especially in, in the Catholic church, kind of go their own way. Uh, notable exceptions, of course, but a lot of parishes, there, there's not that sort of family atmosphere. You have to be intentional uh, to, to search for that. And of course there's our own, there's our own families too, and, and friends and people that you can kind of maybe be accountable with, you know, help me keep the Sabbath better. Make, you know, call me on it. If I, if I am tempted to, to kind of go back to, to doing work or study or something that, that really isn't, isn't in keeping with it. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, it's really intriguing and it's, it's, it's hard for people to do, 
But I think that it, it will have its benefits. And ironically, if we're not resting well, if we're not taking advantage of this, as God knew this when he created us, we won't be able to work as effectively for God. We won't be able to to be as as, as great in our in our work because we won't have that that rest. We won't be able to reload. And physical health is important. Mental health, spiritual health, uh, above all, is super important for us to be fully functioning, holistic human beings. And what's also interesting too is that this this whole this whole thing is really catching fire. People are really uh, starting to take notice of this, even in in the secular world. And um, Michael Corrin says, you know, there's there's certain other things that that have exploded in the, into the American mainstream culture that nobody thought would ever take root, but they have. He talks about yoga. You know, in the 1950s, most Americans had no idea what it even was. And and I'm not saying that I'm not, I don't practice yoga. Um, I can't even touch my toes, for goodness sakes, but um can't even see my toes sometimes. I got to get rid of this uh, paunch, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, obviously there's some spiritual, you know, dangers there perhaps but but the point is that nobody in the 1950s in the united states really even knew what yoga was but how prevalent is it i mean it's become a lifestyle brand uh so many athleisure you know brands of, of clothing like lululemon stuff that this is like part of their identity is, is it's sort of all around yoga and 33 million people probably more than that now this is in 2017 in 2017 more than 33 million americans were practicing yoga that's 14% of the population. So so think about that. If that can catch on in just a few decades, maybe somehow this idea of a Sabbath rest can also catch on, can also catch on. Um, some countries are, outside the U.S., apparently um, are enforcing some sort of a, or trying to encourage people to observe a technology Sabbath, handing over their devices and just kind of encouraging people to eschew their screens for 24 hours. I think that would help uh, get us out of the digital world into the real world. So I, I just thought it was just really intriguing to 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 read about this uh, in, in a secular publication because, hey, the, it works. It works. And even if and, – and maybe just experiencing some of the natural benefits of it will lead people to kind of look at the supernatural benefits of practicing the Sabbath as well. All right, let's go to Lillian in Cleveland. Hi, Lillian. Hi. Um, I just put my speaker back on because I can't hear you. Okay, okay. But, well. um, I'm a 76-year-old Brit, and I, I was raised in England where we had all the stores closed on Sunday and on special holidays like mm-hmm. Easter and um good friday and uh but the jewish shops were open on sunday mm-hmm. um they were closed on saturday right and i i used to get sent to a jewish bakery on good friday in order to get hot crust buns well, there you go. Hot cross buns. Yeah, it's a, a big tradition in, in, in some places. And so, yeah, th- th- those were certainly the times. And um, do you, do you kind of miss that, the shops being closed on Sunday, Lillian? I, I don't particularly miss the shops being closed. I think it's nice. I mean, I used to, like, uh, run around the streets and feel very safe. Mm. Yep. 
the yeah, other it, thing I wanted to bring up was I thought about this Sabbath um, a while back, and I was thinking, what if the wor- whole world observed the Sabbath, and it would help the world, it would help the environment? Yeah, that, that, that's it's interesting, Lillian. Yeah, that's that's one of the things this guy is saying. He's an environmental columnist. He says it will help the environment, uh, less emissions. People aren't driving around. People aren't traveling, and, and will can help to connect us with with the natural world, and which obviously comes to us from the hands of God. And I think that con- contemplating nature, and this is something that um, I had a discussion recently with um, an educator uh, on this uh, who had founded some some schools. And uh, this guy is a really interesting guy, one of the smartest people I've ever met. And he said that really kids today, like, they, they, they almost never get a chance to actually just contemplate, like contemplate the natural world, like just, just, just go out and look at a leaf on a tree. Like, you know, just the little things like that can teach you so much. It can be such an educational experience about nature, about, and this obviously goes back to studying the creation can get us in touch with, with the creator for sure. That's one way to do it. Um, and so one way that I think people can, um, can connect, um, there, there are different sort of pathways that people connect with God. Some, for some, it's like everyone has their sort of favorite pathway to connect with God for, for some it's through scripture, uh, for, for, especially in the Catholic church through the sacraments, obviously that's huge. Um, the greatest sacrament of course, being the Eucharist, it's Christ himself, through nature, through through other people, through uh, there's just so many pathways uh, through the experience of love. We we get some sort of insight into the divine love. Uh, it's 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 awesome. Um, so yeah, thanks thanks so much for your call, Lillian. God bless you and have a great weekend. We're going to go now to Brad in Rochester Hills, Michigan, in the Detroit area. Hi, Brad. Hey, brother Clark. I haven't talked to you in a while. How have you been? I'm I'm good. How are you hanging in? Hey, Greg, I still wish to you guys uh, uh, the, the Sabbath up um, that Friday, Friday at night at sunset over there, Saturday nightfall. I like the uh, the you know, traditional Jewish way, because that, not because uh, I'm uh, under the law, but under God's grace, but I do so as an act of free choice. Uh, and I've got some good friends that are and also Christians, but they're uh, two of them, uh, what? Uh, actually, there are mutual acquaintances one I haven't seen in years. Uh, mm-hmm. But they're Seventh Day Adventists. They go on Saturday mornings to their communities, and yeah. I go on Saturday afternoons during daylight savings time to my parish that has uh, a late afternoon mass uh, at my parish, Saint Irenaeus in Rochester Hills, and. Uh, I also go uh, on Monday and Wednesday mornings, but here's the interesting thing. Uh, since I don't drive, and because of my eyesight is for one reason, uh, okay. we have a laymaster from St. Andrew's uh, Parish in Rochester, Michigan, near the downtown shopping district that outside of the hustle and bustle. He comes in on most Saturday for communion to a small group of our neighbors that are Catholic uh, and share we share a common bond for just that for our Catholic uh, beliefs, but we, our lay minister also provides food for us to fellowship and enjoy each other's company on right afterwards. Okay. And I think it's a a pretty uh, neat idea because it gets us out of our comfort zone so that uh, we don't have to just uh, be um, in a box in our own apartments all day long or like or all week long 
Hey, Brad. Yeah, that's 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 true. And um, I, I thank you for your call and have a great weekend. One, one of the things that you, you noted there in your call, and maybe this will be a, an interesting topic of discussion for another show. You mentioned Seventh Day Adventists. Now they they are Christians, but they still worship on Saturday. They they think that that the day of the Sabbath should remain on Saturday. We're we're in the vast majority of the Christian world, the Sabbath is transferred to Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And why they think that and where their beliefs come from, that'd be an interesting topic for for another show. Um, Adventist thought, the Adventist movement, led to a lot of other movements and is is in the background of a lot of other religious movements that, that were peculiarly American, such as Mormonism. But that's, that's another uh, talk for another day. All right. Well, we got to take a quick break right now on the Kale Clark Show. If you're on the line, we'll try to get to your call, 888-914-9149. But we will be right back after this. This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Our under the Friday night lights here on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149 is the number to call, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. You have some thoughts on our discussion on the Sabbath. Even secular people are discovering, man, we need a Sabbath. This is this is a, this is kind of written into the law of creation itself. And of course. There's so much more when you come from the perspective of faith. But we're going to get back to that in just a second and more and other topics as well. But it's time right now, as we do every Friday, for the week that was on The Kale Clark Show. In case you missed it, here's a highlight package. While he was waiting, the guy who currently was the king, Saul, spent a heck of a lot of time trying to make sure that David never became king, trying to kill him. So he's on the run. He's hiding in caves, had a clear opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't do it. Why? Because he trusted that God was in control. And David wrote about this too uh, in the scriptures. In Psalm 27, verse 14, he wrote, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. We're talking about some writings from Monsignor Stephen Rossetti. The end of this 100-year period, where Satan kind of had free reign, if you will, is now over. And the devil seems to have shifted his tactics a little bit. He says it's number one, destroy the family. And also number two is attack the church. Because the church is, of course, the family of God on earth. And, and not only that, the church is the herald of the message of Christ and the universal sacrament of salvation. And how, how to sanctify the world can't be done without the church. The CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, had this to say about government-issued digital currency. I really do believe this is where we're going to be going. We have the technology to tokenize today. Think about this. If you had a tokenized security and you have a tokenized identity, the moment you buy or sell an instrument, it's known. It's on a general ledger that is all created together. This eliminates all corruption by having a tokenized system. And this is what Jason DeBolt said about this, quote, nothing will accelerate the world towards a crushing dystopian state than CBDCs. They are the logical next step, the next domino to fall in total control of Western populations after the elimination of free speech. 
I want to take a call from Chris in Arizona. Hey, Kale. Love the show. I'm actually a certified financial planner. Okay. So I would caution about let's jump into conclusions, but something that everyone should keep an eye on. The real draconian issue and where this could be a threat to the democracies if this is used to continue the expansion of a federal bank that would then threaten uh, commercial banks. So very much not just me, but I'm sure all the lobbyists for all the major banks wait with bated breath to see if that's a move that happens because there'll be a lot of backlash against that. St. Francis de Sales, such a great saint. He basically said his dad has whole life already planned out. He wanted him to be a lawyer. He wanted him to be a judge. He, he, he just envisioned him driving driving a Lamborghini down the streets of Paris. Anyways, he eventually disappointed his dad big time, became a priest, was very successful in trying to convert many people back to Catholicism from Calvinism. And he was chased. He was hounded. Literally, there, there was one time when a farmer sent a pack of wild dogs after him. And he had to run up a tree and sleep in the tree for the whole night. Joining me today, Alex Havard is my guest. One of the things that you mentioned, Alex, was that a good leader brings out the greatness in other people. And how would you contrast that to the understanding of leadership that we find on the regular in the business world today? Very often we confuse management with leadership. I and mean, management is huh. about moving things forward. Leadership is about moving people forward. They can be great managers, but they become great managers because they are serving humanity, because they are helping people becoming great human beings. I and mean, the measure of leadership is not the leader himself. It is how much the followers are growing, developing, becoming great people. This is the measure for me for leadership. Well, what, a, what an eclectic week we had on The Kale Clark Show. That was the week that was on the show by producer Jim Shaper with an assist from Miranda Ceniceros. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like Messier passing to Gretzky for a goal. And uh, that, that was a real score. And if you missed any of those episodes, you're going to want to check them out on the relevant radio app. New and improved, new version just dropped just a few days ago. I know the digital team has been hard at work on that. And there's great sharing features too. Any of our shows, whether it's this show, the Kale Clark Show, the Faith Explained, the Patrick Madrid Show, all of the other programming that we have on Relevant Radio, you can share those episodes with a friend or a family member with just a tap. Nothing could be easier. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, one of those other services, I know for a lot of people, they just kind of want to keep everything in one place. Uh, please do give us a rating and review because it helps people to discover Relevant Radio. So thanks a lot for listening. And hey, we're still playing. Don't, don't worry, I'm not going away yet. But uh, I want to take a call from Don in Maui, Hawaii, where I'm assuming it's a lot nicer than it is uh, where I am at the moment. Hi, Don. Thanks for calling in. Hey, I love your show. It's, it's, I'm looking at my temperature gauge. It says 83, so it's not oh, too bad. How's your day? Oh, I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming, <laughs> your man. Show is the, I, you're the, your show is the, the pinnacle of um, the, the apogee, shall we say, of apologetics. I really love your show. Oh, that's uh, very kind. Thank you, Don. I, I, want, I, I want to say that I love the idea of the Sabbath rest. You, you don't hear it enough from the pulpit. But in addition to the rest, it also says in different translations, keep the Sabbath holy. And I mm. think that um, not only do we should we rest, but um, does watching four or five hours of football keep the day holy? I know it could be restful, it could be fun, but are we keeping it holy, or does it become the cult of the pigskin? You know, drinking beer <laughs> and a lot of junk food and screaming with your friends. You know, we go to Mass for only one hour, we watch games for four or five hours sometimes. Is that keeping the day holy? Just a comment. You know, I, I just... 
it sounds like you're describing uh, my 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 super wild card weekend, Don. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny. I, I struggle with this a lot. As I think anybody who who is a Catholic who who loves sports does. How far is too far? How much is too much? What's a healthy diversion, and what can become a bit of an obsession? And there's no question that anything in our lives can become an idol if it if it starts to you know nudge God off the throne of our hearts. And it could be football. It could be anything. It could be technology. It could be any activity or thing or place or person that is not God. And so we, we have to be very very careful to sort of and it's and it's and it's it's challenging for sure. Um, the idolatry of sports it can it can be a temptation for people for sure and and i mean i've i've been to a lot of for example buffalo bills games and we know about bills mafia and how crazy they can get jumping off of buses and smashing tables and everything and i, I have to tell you when, when you're there when you're at the tailgate you see a lot of things that are not exactly kosher and I, I even think, like, I don't think I'd bring my, my daughter to a Bills game unless I was, like, I could just walk straight into the family section of the stadium. It, it's, it's, there can be a lot of debauchery involved as well, let's face it. So, and part of it is, I think, because people aren't worshiping the true and living God, a lot of them aren't, they, they, they're looking for something. Something has to be their church, and maybe their church is mtnt bank stadium in baltimore where the afc championship is going to take place or what name your favorite team so it, it certainly it can be a temptation don i think i think you're right to to raise that <laughs> can i say that on the air jim what you just what you just put in okay okay producer jim just said well you can say it yourself jim you're here now yeah so uh <laughs> depending on the game i pray many many hail marys during the game and yeah. hey we can pray for everything can't we it doesn't mean that's necessarily what god wants but you know I have a feeling that Sister Wilhelmina might be pulling for the Chiefs. I, I, I can't guarantee that, but you never know. <laughs> there, there you go. The, the, the incorrupt nun of Missouri. How about that? Well, I think, Don, thank you so much for your call. Please call back anytime. I'd love to, uh, to talk to you again. I really appreciate that. So, hey, we, we, speaking of that, speaking of that, and, we, we, you know, and this is maybe a, a bad time to make this segue into our weekend picks. Uh, the AFC Championship and NFC Championship both go on Sunday, and it is relevant. Let, do you guys know that of the this is now this is for the previous year? I don't know about this season yet. I don't know if the stats are out, but last year, eighty-two of the top one hundred U.S. broadcasts on television were NFL football games. Can you imagine that? Eighty-two out of a hundred top shows in the USA were NFL football games. So people are watching. It's obviously a huge topic of conversation. And um, we got to make our picks. So Patrick Alog is going to join us as well as we play some rousing sports music in the background. Um, Royalty free, I might add, here on Relevant Radio. But having said that, having said that, uh, Patrick is here. And and Patrick, what are our records going into the championship weekend? You are uh, six and four, so you're over 500. All right. And then yeah. uh, Jim and I are uh, better than you, eight and two. <laughs> eight and two. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you're better, you guys are better than me in a lot of ways, that's for sure. <laughs> but, but uh, well, let's, let's, let's see how this weekend's picks are going to affect things. Obviously, the first game that's up is maybe, depending on who you talk to, the two best teams left in the tournament, the Kansas City Chiefs, who got by the Buffalo Bills in a great game last weekend. They're playing the number one seed in the conference. They're just seemingly a juggernaut right now, the Baltimore Ravens. And it's a great QB matchup, too. Maybe the two best players in the NFL, Lamar Jackson, who looks set to win his second MVP this year, and the great Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes Magic. How do you guys see this one going down? 
I think uh, it's Baltimore's time. I think it. I think Lamar Jackson's going to make the Super Bowl for the first time. It's going to be a really good game. And who knows? Maybe it could be the year of the Harbaugh's uh, with his brother oh. winning the national championship and John Harbaugh going to the Super Bowl with an NFL championship on his mind as well. So I am taking the Ravens, but it could go either way. Interesting, too, the Harbaugh brothers both, you know, being very vocal about their faith. You know, and this is one of the ways where it can, it can reach people because they have a platform. Jim Harbaugh, of course, showing up the March for Life in Washington last week. So you're going Baltimore. Okay, how about Jim? I know you're a big KC fan. Your son is for sure. Yeah, so it's going to be a good game, but I'm going Kansas City. It's going to be the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Okay, I, okay, you guys are making it tough on me. You know, I Baltimore, everything in my brain is saying pick the Ravens quote the Ravens nevermore they've got it going on Mark Andrews might be back at tight end for Baltimore their defense is outstanding there's no weaknesses on the team or on the coaching staff but I don't know I just have this feeling about Mahomes I have this feeling about some Mahomes magic happening on Sunday and the Chiefs defense is better than advertised I know they've had their issues this year but I think the Chiefs are going to win in a squeaker Mm. how about that so I'm going KC as well I'm going KC All right. and what about the NFC Championship the San Francisco 49ers against Detroit, the Lions of Detroit. Never been to the Super Bowl. First time they've won back-to-back playoff games since 1957. How do you guys see this breaking down? Yeah, so it's such a great story. I really, really would be happy if the Lions win, but San Francisco's going to win it, and it's going to be a rematch of Super Bowl 54. Chiefs and 49ers. Oh, okay, all right. Patrick Alog, what say you? Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's going to be a rematch as well uh, of a different Super Bowl. But yes, I think the 49ers are also going to be the Lions. The Lions would be the better story if they make it to the Super Bowl. But I think San Francisco got a wake-up call against Green Bay. It'll mm. be a rematch of, I don't know what Super Bowl number it was, but it was, it was the Brownouts. After, after the was, 2012 season. It was the Brownouts Super Bowl between <laughs> the San Francisco and Baltimore. So. Yeah, the lights went out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was an, in- an intriguing Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I got to go with the Niners. Um, I think they're they're a different team when Debo Samuel's hurt. I don't think he's going to play much. I think it'll be like a Willis Reed thing, as as Rich Brzezinski said this morning to me. He just might walk out there and inspire everybody. After a couple plays, he might not play again. But as long as it's not raining and Brock Purdy can grip the ball properly, I, I think the Niners are going to win this game. Hey, Kale, I just noticed. I think all of us have three different Super Bowl picks. For the right. for the for the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, three different combinations. So, <laughs> well, well, only one of them can be right, and we're going to see this weekend. Hey, thanks for joining me on the Kale Clark Show. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Alog took your phone calls. Big assist all week from Miranda Sinaceros, especially on social media. Check out the archives over the weekend. Binge listen to the shows. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless. Observe the Sabbath. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.